The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. I'm Caitlin. If you don't know me, I uh, was an intern here last year um, at the Inn. Um, and just a few fun facts about me. Um, number one, I love bread and Chick-fil-A. They're some of my favorite things on this earth. Um, I'm going to be moving to California in about three weeks to go intern um, down in Irvine. Um, and I really enjoy, for some reason, every time in the summer, um, I kind of go through this weird phase where I just get really into... Um, what are the identity tests or like personality tests? So like Myers-Briggs or Enneagram. Um, and me and my friends will go and take these tests and kind of be like, oh, like I bet this friend is this and this and this, like they have this quality or um, I bet they're this personality, um, which I feel like kind of the rest of the world kind of has this question too, because I feel like every year a new test kind of comes out um, and it kind of begs the question of, who am I? Um, and that's kind of the question that I want to address tonight. And I'm super excited because um, identity in Christ is one of my favorite topics. It's a big reason why I applied last year um, to be an intern. And so I'm super excited to share with you guys tonight um, a little bit about what the Bible says uh, through Jesus' story here on earth um, about identity. And so I'm going to be talking to you tonight from Matthew chapter 3 and 4 about the baptism and temptation of Jesus. Um, but before I read uh, Matthew 3, please pray with me. Dear God, I thank you for this beautiful summer night, and I thank you for the students um, here in this room right now, Jesus. I pray that you would open our hearts um, and our minds to you tonight, and that we might leave um, feeling like we know you and who we are in you more um, a little bit. And in your name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to start by reading Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. And we're this summer we're doing kind of a Come Follow Me series. Um, and it looks kind of at like the leadership of Jesus and how we can follow in those leadership foot, footsteps. And so Matthew 3... 13 through 17 reads, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So I think this passage is super significant because it is the kickoff of Jesus' ministry, essentially. Um, before this point, he wasn't um, preaching to the masses. He wasn't turning water to wine. Um, he was soaking in and building his relationship with God. He was getting to know who he was, what his identity was, like what God said about him um, and kind of why he was on earth. He was getting, he was building a relationship with God and building a foundation of his identity. 
So he goes to John, um, who is known for doing confessional baptisms. So people would just come to him, be like, hey, I've done this. I recognize I want to make a change in my life. And it's um, a widely used practice of being submerged in water, um, conf- like laying down your confessions and emerging with a new identity or um, kind of professing like, hey, I'm turning from this old way of living. And so when I first read this, I was really confused because I was like, Jesus was perfect unless he was lying, and I'm pretty sure that he wasn't. And so, like, what sin does Jesus have to confess? Like, does he have to confess anything? And in having conversations and kind of researching a little bit about um, kind of this interaction, I have come to the conclusion that I think that Jesus being baptized was more of an act of obedience than an act of confession. Um, Baptism literally means immersion. And I think that Jesus, rather than confessing an old life um, and proclaiming a new, was uh, proclaiming that he was all in to his mission and to his identity as the savior of the world. He was saying, I know who I am. I'm all in. I am here to identify with and be with the people that I'm here to save. Um, And I am all about that. I think he was acting out of confidence in his identity of who he was. And in verse 17, I think this is even more affirmed where God is saying, this is my son whom I love, and with him I'm well pleased. Jesus, before he even does anything, before he starts any mission mission work, before um, he does any miracle, before any of that, um, his identity is affirmed and spoken over him by God. He's marked um, as a son by God's love and by God's approval and praise. Like God is pleased and proud of Jesus before he even does anything. And I think that is the same um, of ourselves. So then moving forward um, into chapter four, we see Jesus goes immediately from being baptized into temptation. And the text reads, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. I think the timing of these two passages put together is extremely important. Um, We move from Jesus, who just got baptized and had his identity spoken over him, uh, move immediately into uh, this, this temptation by uh, the enemy. And 
I think that's widely important because he was just told by God, like, this is your identity. This is the truth of who you are. And of course, Satan doesn't want Jesus to know this. He doesn't want him to be secure and confident in this. And so he goes and is like, okay, I am going to try to deter Jesus from being um, confident in this identity that was just spoken over him. And I think, one, it's important because Jesus needed affirmation in his identity too. He was fully man, and so like you and me, he needed to be affirmed in that identity. And so for God to have spoken that over him right before or at the beginning of his ministry, I think that's huge. And I also want to point out that I don't think that Jesus just randomly walked into this temptation. Um, I think that he had been preparing for it. Um, From the time before his ministry started, he saturated himself um, in getting to know God and getting to know his identity in God. Um, And it says, like in the text, like he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights between being baptized and going into the wilderness. And I think um, that time of fasting gave him a lot of perspective and a lot of time to kind of like think um, and just, again, be with God. And so I think that he was preparing himself um, for this temptation, whether he realized it himself at that moment or not. And temptation is a combination of a real need and a possible doubt. And so Christ shows us in this example that it's possible to combat temptation by being secure and rooted um, in who you are and who God says that you are. And so I'm going to go through the three temptations and kind of look at what Jesus was hit with and kind of how he fought that with his identity. So the first temptation is that Jesus was physically hungry. Um, I mean, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, I personally have only fasted like once or twice for 24 hours. But even after that, I was really hungry. And so I can't imagine the hunger that Jesus was experiencing after this fast. And I want to point out that it's not a sin for Jesus to turn um, stones to bread. I mean, of course, I'm going to tell you that. But um, I think, like, Jesus did miracles like that all the time. Like, he uh, turned water to wine. He multiplied food for people to eat. Um, It's not uncharacteristic of him to do these kinds of things. But I think what Satan is trying to undermine is Jesus' trust in God to provide. He's saying, hey, like, yeah, God says that he'll provide everything for you, but do you really trust that? Do you really trust that he's going to provide for your needs? Uh, Why don't you take matters into your own hands? You have the ability, the capability to. Like, why not just do it now? Satisfy your hunger. And I think we see that in um, our own lives, like today. Maybe not necessarily, like, in these exact terms, but uh, with, like, jobs or majors or relationships. It's easy to be like, I'm hungry for this one thing, and it is absolutely like captivating me, and I want it now, so might as well just take matters into my own hands and go get it for myself, as opposed to wait and see and like trust that God um, is going to provide for me. And so Jesus shows that he's secure in his trust of who God says he is and that he's going to provide for him. Second of all, Jesus is tempted in his identity as God. Um, Satan is speaking truths to Jesus, and 
he's doing it in such a way that's twisting these truths um, to undermine his confidence in who he is as fully God. And um, if Jesus wasn't secure in that identity, if he wasn't 100% sure that he was who he said that he was, he could have been like standing at the end edge of this um, cliff and been like, oh, what if I'm not who I say that I am? Should I prove to myself, to Satan, that I am fully God? And he could have jumped and angels could have saved him, but he is secure enough in his identity that he didn't have to prove to anybody who he said that he was. He knew who he said he was and he lived that out. Third, third um, Jesus is tested in his obedience to the will of the Father and kind of like his mission of why he's here as our Savior. Um, Satan is the father of lies, and so I think that's immediately a red flag. If Satan tells you, oh, I'll give you the world, just worship me, like, why would you believe him if he's a known liar? And Jesus knew that. He was pretty smart. But if he wasn't 100% sure about his mission, if he was like, yeah, like, going to the cross sounds pretty awful. I don't want to do that. Why don't I just take this shortcut, take the easy way out, still get the same result, right? But he knew that that is not why he was placed on this earth. He knew that taking, he didn't come here to take the easy way out. He came here um, to be an example and to save us. And he knew that. And um, so, again, he shut Satan down. Jesus is leading by example, um, combating these lies by being secure in his identity and who he is. I think that sometimes it's easy for us to forget who we are or what our identity is, um, and we kind of lose sight of it. If you've ever seen the movie The Lion King, it is one of my favorites, and I think that it, this is kind of embodied in that movie where we see um, Simba, this super eager lion who just can't wait to be king, and he um, is going around with his dad who's showing him kind of the lay of the land, but then Scar, uh, kind of sets his dad up and kills off Mufasa and convinces Simba, like, you killed him, no one wants you to be king um, since you've done this to Mufasa. Simba believes him and kind of takes off. And so later on, he encounters um, Nala, one of his childhood friends, and she convinces, or tries to convince him, hey, remember your old identity? You're supposed to be king. Come take your rightful place as king. But then Simba freaks out and runs away. And so we're going to watch what happens as he's running away again from his identity. And he runs into this monkey, Rafiki. <laughs> Look down there. Moment a lot where I think it's easy sometimes to be like, oh, yeah, like I know who I am. I've got this but then you lose sight um, of who you are or you forget your identity or um, you've run away from it like Simba did. Um, thankfully for us, Jesus didn't do that um, in his lifetime, but um, he did need to be affirmed um, and just continually remember and soak in who he was. Going back um, to Matthew 3 in the baptism story, um, John, we see him living into his identity as a baptizer. What if um, John had decided, oh, today I don't want to be a baptizer, I want to be a lawyer. I'm going to be John the lawyer now. 
Um, I personally don't think, like, I think that could have been great, but I don't think that he would have made as big as an impact as he did if he decided to be John the lawyer as opposed to John the Baptist. I strongly believe that all, each and every one of us has this identity marker that follows our names. There's a the blank after your name that Jesus speaks over you, that he sees you as. And I think that there's no truer act of worship or more powerful statement you can make on this earth than to live into that identity, um, that unique identity that is given and ascribed to you. Um, I think, like, as much as this is kind of an individual, like, unique identity practice, uh, or it's, like, your identity is, like, unique and, like, personal um, I think it's not an individual thing. I think it's a community practice. And we can teach each other to live into who we are. Um, you can teach others to embrace um, and live into that identity. Um, and call truths out in people um, that you see, your friends, your family, your housemates. Um, affirm them. I think that we don't spend enough time affirming each other. And I would encourage you, even after, like later tonight, pull out your phone and um, text that person that maybe has crossed your mind, like, oh, yeah, Amanda, like, I should text her. Like, why is she coming across my mind? Or, oh, yeah, Brad, I think he is, like, such a go-getter. Like, tell him that. Have you ever told, like, your best friend, like, the quality that you see shine most in them? I think that... Together, like we can teach each other to embrace um, those true identities and affirm each other in them. I think um, that Jesus is saying a truth about each and every one of us right now, whether you know it or not. Um, I personally, a few years ago, received the word beacon of joy. Um, and I think that that's something that I've been marked by. Um, since birth. I recently went through this childhood book that's like, oh, look, my child's gone through this and this and this. This is like their first word or whatever. And something like my mom wrote was, oh, your smile or your laugh makes me laugh and it affects the others around you. And I think that's true still today. <laughs> and if any of you have heard me laugh. Um, and I think that was like a powerful thing to recognize. But kind of similarly to that transition between have Jesus having his identity spoken over him and going into temptation, it was hard to recognize that when the word like beacon of joy was spoken over me, um, I was battling depression. And it was like, how can I be a beacon of joy if I'm depressed? And it was encouraging to kind of like go through that and by like being marked as a beacon of joy and recognizing, okay, like this, like how I emotionally feel is not um, like my identity. This is not dictate who I am. Um, and so tonight I want to close uh, by inviting all of you um, to join with me in a listening prayer activity um, and hear what Jesus is saying over you and your identity um, tonight. I want to encourage you that um, even if you hear silence, it's okay. I encourage you, ask Jesus, what does that silence mean? Is there something, a lie or a stronghold that is keeping me from believing this truth, from living into my true identity? 
Um, and so I want you to close your eyes now and imagine that you are with God. And he's sitting right there with you. And you say hello to him and greet him in whatever uh, name is most um, natural for you to say. And I want him to, or I want you to imagine yourself handing over a lie to him right now and dropping it in his hand. And I want you to imagine him taking that lie and throwing it away because it's not a truth about what he says about you. And I want you to imagine him handing you back a truth. Ask him, what is the truth that you say about me? And I want you to ask him, what do you say is my identity? What have you named me? 